Cause we got the alternative energy right. free autonomy And welcome to the Radioactive Show Produced at the studios of 3CR Melbourne And heard nationally on the Community Radio Network They didn't ask the people in the first place whether we even wanted to mine uranium, let alone sell it, and let alone take responsibility for the world's waste. I see community closures and diminishment of Aboriginal heritage protection go hand in hand, basically to get Aboriginal people off country to pave the way for mining. Some people are calling it genocide, the last act of genocide here in Western Australia. I think they're not far off the mark. We figured too that this dump and the closure of communities go hand in hand. They're not two separate issues. Why should the taxpayers be paying for the federal government to be doing whatever they're doing and for the South Australian government to be doing a Royal Commission? It almost seems that it's just a big cover-up and that everything's done, dusted, and they're just going to say that they've consulted with community, which community did not get information that they wanted. Community consultation is just a couple of adjectives really, isn't it? And uh, certainly Aboriginal people have heard those two words for for over a couple of hundred years now, and it's a a favourite, uh, favourite line for most politicians definitely an opportunity to have a much broader and longer conversation about why the government believes we need a single remote site because certainly there's a number of stakeholders and groups that don't believe we need a single remote site or that this idea should be put to the test in the form of an inquiry. I would recommend that we all band together to stop it and it's not just our state of South Australia, it's every state. It should not be targeted in another state if we fight them again after the Gungujuda fought them and Hearts Range and Mount Everard and Makati, you know, they all fought the same fight. Welcome to the Radioactive Show. I'm Michaela, and this week we'll return to an issue that just won't go away radioactive waste. It's the world's most long lived industrial waste and needs isolating from people and the environment for hundreds of thousands of years. The nuclear industry is continuing to create it, with still no credible solution for its long-term management in sight. For the last two decades, Aboriginal communities have experienced the radioactive racism that has been the hallmark of the federal government's approach in pursuing a remote dump site. Powerful grassroots campaigns successfully stopped plans for a dump first in South Australia in 2004 and then in the Northern Territory last year. There are two debates considering the storage of nuclear waste in Australia that we'll be looking at today. The Federal Government's search for a national dump site for Australia's waste and South Australia's Nuclear Fuel Cycle Royal Commission that is considering the importation of international high-level waste. One year ago, Makati traditional owners won a federal court case against the government's proposal to dump nuclear waste at Makati Station in the Northern Territory, sparking a new process whereby the Commonwealth has invited site nominations Australia-wide. Clayton Lewis, founder of the Aboriginal Heritage Action Alliance from Western Australia, will talk to us about his experience finding out 
that a site on his country had been nominated. Nat Worsley from Beyond Nuclear Initiative will reflect on the dump campaign so far and talk about where the process is at currently. And Sue coleman Hasladine, representative from the Gugathamula Nation and the Australian Nuclear Free Alliance will join us from South Australia where they are challenging proposals for both the national and international dumps. But first, national anti-nuclear campaigner with Friends of the Earth, Dr Jim Green, outlines these two processes. There's two main debates going on. One is over storage of national waste, and uh, that includes some spent nuclear fuel from research reactors at Lucas Heights that's gone overseas for reprocessing and is coming back to Australia, but it's still essentially Australian waste. Uh, So they're looking for a storage site for that. And there's a parallel debate over the possibility of earning uh, a large amount of income from importing high-level nuclear waste from nuclear power reactors around the world. And that debate is focused in South Australia, where there's a Royal Commission looking, looking into all stages of the nuclear fuel cycle, including that option of importing and storing or disposing of high-level nuclear waste from power reactors. So they're largely separate debates, uh, the debate over managing Australia's waste and the debate over importing high-level waste. But they could intersect at various points. For example, you could have someone wanting to offer their land for uh, both a national radioactive waste facility and also as an international high-level nuclear waste dump. So they could intersect, but in large part, I think they're, they're separate debates. And so focusing on the importation of international high-level radioactive waste, what do you think about the issues laid out in that Royal Commission paper? Well, the Royal Commission paper is just superficial tripe, really, and it hardly lays anything out at all. It just raises a series of questions, but quite a number of nuclear lobbyists uh, trying to sell a proposal whereby you would import high-level nuclear waste and make billions of dollars from that, and then you would convert that waste into nuclear fuel for so-called Generation 4 reactors, and they reckon that you could import, you could make so much money from importing the waste that that would cover the cost of building these Generation 4 reactors, and uh, it would also allow you to abolish all state taxes in South Australia. So they're essentially selling a fairy tale, converting nuclear waste into fuel for non-existent types of reactors. And in reality, if they go down any way down that path, what it would mean is importing the high-level waste for storage in South Australia. And then when they realise that there's no Generation 4 reactors requiring nuclear fuel, then you would just have a store of high-level nuclear waste in South Australia and they would need to dispose of it at some stage or other. And the cost of disposing of that waste would be somewhere in the ballpark of $30 billion. Um, So it's not at all clear that it would be an economic money spinner. And uh, there's a lot of arguments being trotted out. For example, the claim that Australia's got a moral responsibility to take the waste because we export uranium, which doesn't really stand up to scrutiny because... um, uh, you know, the moral responsibility for waste lies with the countries that produce that waste in nuclear power reactors. And also that moral argument needs to be uh, sliced open and you 
consider, for example, uranium mining being imposed on Aboriginal communities and then you would have nuclear waste dumps potentially imposed on Aboriginal communities so you would get something that's immoral twice over being dressed up as a moral argument. If people are concerned about this, what would you recommend they do? Do you think participating in the inquiry is a good idea or are there other actions people can take that are going to be more effective? Well, uh, yeah, people could certainly find the Royal Commission website. Just look for Nuclear Fuel Cycle Royal Commission and put in a submission, I think. Uh, The deadlines might be 27th or something like that and then another deadline on the 3rd of August for some of the issues papers. But, um, yeah, we certainly welcome that. But uh, it's much more important at this stage of this debate to get actively involved in campaigns one way or another so people in Melbourne can get involved in French City of Melbourne and uh, there's anti-nuclear groups all around the country and we really do need a lot of support now and the reason we need support is that the anti-nuclear groups need to support traditional owners in South Australia who are being uh, targeted by this Royal Commission and traditional owners around the country who are potentially going to be targeted with a national nuclear waste dump. So there's a a lot of work to do to build those campaigns and to support traditional owners. And um, so, yeah, it really is time for people to get active. You're listening to The Radioactive Show across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Now we'll head to South Australia, where the government seems to be ignoring the fact that only a decade ago, the Aratiwanti, the Poison Leave It campaign, led by the Kupapiti Kungajuta, senior Aboriginal women, saw the introduction of legislation that prohibits the transportation and storage of nuclear waste in the state. Now, the Nuclear Fuel Cycle Royal Commission are investigating not only the possibility of taking national waste, but importing international nuclear waste. Sue Coleman-Hasseldean, a Gugathamula representative from Seduna, brings us an update from South Australia. The campaign against the dumping of radioactive waste has returned to South Australia again recently with the Royal Commission into the nuclear fuel cycle looking into the importation of high-level radioactive waste from overseas. And I understand that there's been some nominations of sites for the National Radioactive Waste Dump. Can you tell me a bit about what you know I understand there's been nominations too, and four in South Australia, but nobody's telling us who or where those nominations are. And we're asking that question, and we're just not being answered. I went to a Royal Commission meeting, and um, it wasn't really helpful because all they were talking about was like the goodness of the nuclear cycle, not, not, he did mention that there was dangers, but he didn't say anything about what the dangers were. He was just like sprucing the, all the good that would come from this nuclear waste dump. We had questions, lots of people had questions, but they never seemed to answer your question. And they're just going to say that they've consulted with community, which community did not get information that they wanted. Yeah. It was just a little spurt about how good everything's going to be, like like you said. Jobs, what jobs? You know, there was nothing about the dangers of a, of a radiation spill or anything. Are we a terrorist 
target if we get that that radiation dump, the the waste dump in South Australia. There's a lot of questions, and they don't want to answer them. Mm. And I guess that's the thing is that they promoted that they're doing all these consultations, but really it seems like it's um, another case of them just trying to promote what they want to go ahead with anyway. Yes, that's right. And then they can turn around and say, well, we consulted the communities. Um, We figured too that this dump and the closure of communities go hand in hand. They're not two separate issues. Because if you close the communities, Aboriginal communities down, then you've got all this wide open space out there that they can say there's nobody living there, there's no life there. Totally forget the animals that they're destroying every which way. So if they close down those communities, those people will move into places like Sejuna and they'll have open run out on on country. And so are they talking about closing communities in South Australia? They say they're not going to close them, but they're not funding them anymore. So I really don't know what the difference is. What would you say if people out there worrying what's happening with all of this? What would you recommend they do? I would recommend that we all band together to stop it. And it's not just our state of South Australia, it's every state. It should not be targeted in another state if we fight them again after the Gungujuna fought them and Hearts Range and Mount Everard and... Muckety, you know, all fought the same fight. And it's back in South Australia. We do not know where these proposed sites are, but they still have to get the stuff to the sites, which is where maybe then people should come together and just let the government know that this is not all right. You can't just ship loads and loads of um, highly toxic waste. By the way, they keep saying it's only medium waste too. Yeah, yes. But our government's in a panic because they've got to take back that waste from overseas. They're worried they've got to bring it back to Australia. And the only place they've got at the moment is Lucas Heights in Sydney. And I'd let them keep it there then. Just see how far they get with the Sydney people. Because, you know, accidents don't happen. Just ignore Fukushima. Ignore Chernobyl. Accidents don't happen. Everything is safe, and they keep telling us how safe everything is. But we know it's not safe. You know, the, even the testing of Maralinga was not safe. It's, to this day, it's got devastating effects on people. So do we want another round of that? Do we want our kids to live in fear of radiation leakage? Do, do we want that? I, I don't. I would like all of Australia to band together to tell the government no. And that means all of Australia, because if we win in South Australia, fight and win, they're going to go to another state. So just be aware that it's Australia-wide, the problem will be Australia-wide, and we all need to band together to say no. Across Australia, on the Community Radio Network, this is the Radioactive Show. And now we'll go to an interview with Clayton Lewis from the Aboriginal Heritage Action Alliance about the nomination of a site on his country in Western Australia. What's happened, uh, Michaela, Jindalbi Metals, uh, a small to medium iron ore producer in the Midwest, are actually mining in traditional country. My father's 
side, my father's country, uh, witty people, witty people uh, southeast of Geraldton in the state's Midwest. And they have uh, mining operations, but they also have uh, their lessees of a pastoral lease. And that pastoral lease is within our native title claim area. Uh, the lease being called Badger, uh, B-A-D-J-A, and unfortunately, Jim Dalby have uh, nominated it to the federal government uh, as a potential site for radioactive waste, and I'm not too happy about that. So that's uh, probably the main thing on my mind at the moment, as you can imagine. Yes, and um, I understand that the proposal wasn't discussed with... Um, your native title claimant group with the public or any of the the Yalgu Shire councillors. How did you find out about the nomination and what do you know about where the process is at now? Oh, well, look, I was uh, indirectly told by a couple of sources, which I, I won't disclose. Um, subsequently, I uh, was reaffirmed by uh, the Conservation Council of WA and also contacts of mine in Geraldton. So the process as it unfolded and as I became aware of it entailed uh, uh, Jindalby putting it through, uh, pushing it through with, as you said, uh, no consultation with traditional owners and certainly no consultation with the wider community. And, yeah, look, we were a bit uh, perturbed by that and upset, to say the least, so... You know, we've promptly reacted and, hope, and you know, with the assistance of the Conservation Council and uh, Mia Pepper in particular, we've managed to put a couple of letters up to the Federal Minister, McFarlane, and also to other interests throughout WA and a strong letter to, to the mining company. And have you heard back from any of them? Oh, we've had, uh, we've had uh, the standard response letters from the Federal Minister, nothing from the State Authorities and nothing from the mining company. So the only reports that we're aware of are what's coming out in the regional newspaper, the Midwest Times, and also information relayed to me from Mia Pepper, who has, uh, has a finger on the pulse, so to speak, with the Conservation Council. So she's relaying messages to me. Uh, we don't know where it's at at the moment. And, uh, yeah, I'm still uh, a little bit uh, in the dark as to what Jindalby are about. It's amazing. Jindalby, uh, on the day that I heard about their proposal of Badger, uh, earlier that morning we, uh, we had a, an indication from them that they wanted to proceed with setting up a trust fund from the mining interest in our country. And so I thought that was okay. Um, uh, and then later on that afternoon, I, I find out that they proposed another property they're leasing in our claim area as a radioactive waste dump. So it was amazing. Uh, in the morning, we get dangled a carrot, and then in the afternoon, we get hit with a stick. We're seeing Western Australia really under attack on so many fronts with proposals to deregister culturally significant sites the closure of the remote communities and also with tough new anti-protest laws. How are people feeling in the face of all this then thrown another potential challenge with this waste dump? 
Oh, well, this is how, as I said, this is how far-right Liberal government operates in Western Australia and also at the federal level. I think uh, it's not only, uh, you know, affects non-Aboriginal people, but I'm thinking the wider community must be alarmed at the processes adopted by the state government here in WA. I actually wear another hat, Michaela, with the Aboriginal Heritage Action Alliance. We're a community group formed earlier this year to arrest the proposed amendments to the Aboriginal Heritage Act. Uh, that's our, our first goal. Secondly, we want to ensure that uh, we move on from engagement consultation to active participation and inclusion. Personally, I think the word engagement and consultation are antiquated in 80s terms. Governments still stay in that place. Mm. So, you know, we want to move on from that and we actually want to rewrite the Act. It's, uh, it's 40 years old. Um, there are aspects of it we, we think don't work. So we're happy to, uh, you know, our goal is to hopefully get it to a parliamentary select committee to address our concerns. And uh, we're getting some traction. We work closely with SOS Black Australia and the, uh, the actions against community closures. I see community closures and diminishment of Aboriginal heritage protection go hand in hand, basically, to get Aboriginal people off country to pave the way for mining. Some people are calling it genocide, the last act of genocide here in Western Australia. Mm. Um, I think they're not far off the mark. certainly reflects some of the attitudes of uh, the WA government. The Minister for Aboriginal Affairs here presides over it all with the Department of uh, Aboriginal Affairs, the state agency. We've seen in recent weeks the awareness of more than 3,000 sites which have been deregistered by the Aboriginal Cultural Materials Committee. We think it's a tip of the iceberg. And, uh, you know, people are saying the Department of Aboriginal Affairs here in Western Australia is corrupt. And so I'm thinking that, um, yeah, we're only seeing a tip of the iceberg and watch this space. This is the Radioactive Show, broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. And up next, Nat Wasley from the Beyond Nuclear Initiative reflects on the nuclear waste dump campaign so far and what to watch out for with the new process. Having worked so closely on the dump campaign in the Northern Territory right through to the success at Muckety on June 19th last year, what stands out to you most reflecting on that campaign? I think it's important to note that this week was also 11 years since the South Australian nuclear waste dump campaign. So I think the message from both of those successes is that community determination and resilience will win. And, you know, both campaigns outlasted numerous ministers, you know, changes of government, different political climates. And it was just the community digging in, building support all around the country that, that prevailed in the end. So I guess people power is the message. Looking at this current process with the site nominations, do you see that the federal government has actually learnt anything from what's happened? Are there any improvements in the, the process there? Minister McFarlane actually said that the muckety process was a disaster. His words, a disaster, and it was. It was very refreshing to hear that from the federal government and we hoped that from there that they would really take a hard look at what's happened over the last 20 years in terms of radioactive waste management in Australia. There have been some small gains in that Minister McFarlane has said he will be looking at 
from now on only sites that are genuinely volunteered and if there is any uh, contest about either traditional ownership or the land tenure or people not wanting the facility, then those sites wouldn't be assessed and um, further selected. So we're really hoping that in this new process we're currently that's currently underway, that that is adhered to and really any site that's contested or where people have had the opportunity to know about the nomination and have said no is knocked off straight away. Do you know what's happening with that site analysis now and when we might expect to hear the, the short list of sites? Firstly, there was a very short window available for landholders to actually make nominations. There was a three-month period and there is a concern that there was very limited and, in fact, inadequate information given to people to make that nomination. During the period, we actually heard, for example, the West Australian Premier, Colin Barnett, saying, and ministers saying that it wouldn't be a radioactive facility. We heard other people saying it would only be low-level waste. And all of this inaccurate information is important to note because if a landholder is going to be making a nomination, they need to know exactly what would be coming to that facility. Not everyone has internet access. So there you know, was definitely an opportunity to have a much broader and longer conversation about why the government believes we need a single remote site because certainly there's a number of stakeholders and groups that don't believe we need a single remote site or that this idea should be put to the test in the form of an inquiry. So that's one, one thing firstly. In terms of the process, we're expecting an announcement of the shortlisted sites end of July, beginning of August. And so there has been some site nominations that have been leaked to the media or people have been willing to say that they made those nominations. The ones that have been identified are all in Western Australia and all of the sites that have been made public have been immediately challenged and contested and opposed. So I think the government's going to actually find it hard once these nominated sites are shortlisted and announced. They're going to have to take the time to really consult with the communities in that area make sure that all traditional owners, native title holders, local pastoralists, people in the vicinity genuinely know what the proposal is for and that this land has been nominated. One thing that has happened with this current process, um, which you know should be acknowledged, is that Minister McFarlane has actually set up advisory panels um, to look at the social impacts as well as environmental impacts. So there's a technical advisory panel and there's like a public interest panel um, there was limited opportunity for people to be involved. In fact, there's only one national environment group that actually has a seat on that table, whereas there's been a lot of people very actively engaged for the last 20 years, a lot of organisations with radioactive waste management. But at least it's a nod in the right direction. And so while the discussions that those panels have been having aren't public, we know that it's you know at least an opportunity for people to be discussing not just pure technical aspects of this proposal, but at least to be starting to talk about the social implications of radioactive waste management. When the shortlisted sites are announced, that will also launch a 60-day consultation period. It's very unclear what form that's going to take, you know, how broad it's going to be, broadly it will be advertised and how people can actually make submissions and indeed whether they'll be actively considered by the Minister. But there is an opportunity to make those submissions. And so we'll be watching that very carefully. We'll be trying our best to ensure that communities in the affected areas know about this process and have an opportunity to make submissions and also the stakeholder groups that we've been working with for a very long time looking at radioactive waste management. Excellent. For people who are interested in 
this issue, are we just waiting for the nominations to be released or is there actions that you encourage people to take at this point? Well, we know that there's sites in Western Australia that have been nominated. We believe that there's sites in South Australia too. But really one of the strengths of the nuclear free movement is that we have on-the-ground connections all around the country. So if people do hear about sites that have been nominated or potentially nominated, ask around, share that information and give the local community the opportunity to hear about it before it's broken in the media. Because it is a real shame that the first opportunity many people will have to hear about this is actually when it's announced in the media. And I can tell you from the Northern Territory that when sites were announced and people hadn't been consulted, that it was a huge shock and extremely stressful for people to know that they were all of a sudden on this hit list for taking you know, the worst industrial waste that Australia produces. So, you know, we encourage people to really get your eyes and ears out on the ground through your contacts and talk about radioactive waste management because it is effective communities on the front line, but it's also people all along the transport route. So there's, you know, a genuine need for us to engage with this right from the source of production all the way to where the government will be proposing that it's dumped. And we'll be monitoring, as I said, so through the Beyond Nuclear Initiative website, through Friends of the Earth, Australian Conservation Foundation, people can link in on social media or through the website and just keep an eye on the process and make a submission. Thank you to Dr Jim Green, Sue Coleman-Hasseldean, Clayton Lewis and Nat Wasley for sharing their knowledge and information. The Radioactive Show was produced in the studios of 3CR on Warrenjeri Country in Collingwood, Victoria and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. I hope you've been inspired to action by these dedicated folk who are working toward a healthy, just and nuclear-free future. We'll post some links on our Facebook page and you can get in contact by email on radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. Join us again next week for more news and views on nuclear peace and energy issues. Until then, take care. Thank you.